I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today brings a level of intellect and experience which is unique in the National Football League. Andrew Berry, a Harvard graduate, an incredibly smart executive, worked his way up with the Indianapolis Colts, moved over to the Browns, transitioned to the Eagles, and came back as the youngest general manager in the National Football League. An African-American who brings an incredible feel for people and the ability to synthesize complex information. Because the Browns have a unique structure. Paul D. Podesta that brings unique experience as a leader. And they built this incredible analytics and data system that they use in all phases of their football operation. Our guest, Andrew Berry. Welcome, friends. We had an unusual game. We had a team that ran the ball three times and ended up winning the game. Our guest today has been involved in the National Football League, in fact, as the youngest general manager when he was hired, and anxious to get his reaction to a team that ran the ball three times and ended up winning the ball game. I tell you what, Jed, that was one of the, probably the most unique game that I've seen in my career. I mean, uh, between the weather, really the game strategy that New England had, um, I thought was, quite honestly, it was, it was fantastic just given the conditions of the game. But uh, I, I did not expect to see a, a game where you see a team throw the ball three times all night you know, certainly in my lifetime, but really credit to the Patriots because they handled the elements admirably and, and came away with a big victory. In 1986, I was coaching with the Steelers and we played in Buffalo and the wind was so bad, they had to take the benches off the sideline because they were blowing on the field. Wow. And you couldn't, and if you punted, the ball came back to you. So it, it reminded me of that game because on the opening kickoff, the ball went into the, into the seats. It went like seven or eight rows <laughs> up into the, so, so weather, you never know. I mean, when you've got an indoor place, it's nice, but where you are, where you are on the lake, yeah, I mean, those kinds of things can happen. You know, it's interesting because you get a lot of precipitation, and it's obviously very cold. But it's really, it really is the wind that ultimately impacts the game, whether you know the the passing game, the kicking game, you name it. So it's it's definitely something that we certainly have to deal with in Cleveland in December. Well, I mean, I mean, they missed a relatively easy field goal mm -hmm. uh, that. Kicking in the wind? No, they no, they they did. I mean, not, nothing is uh, nothing is a given with conditions like that. No question. So, your career obviously is unique in terms of what you did coming out of Bel Air High School, going to Harvard, starting for four years as a cornerback. First of all, how did you get involved in football? Why was football something that you were driven to? So we were 
big Dallas Cowboys fans growing up. My my both both my parents, um, you know, were were big football fans, uh, and they're really their whole families were big football fans. My my mother, she grew up in Georgia. They grew up you know rooting for the Falcons, and my dad, they uh, they basically bleed blue and sil- blue and silver. When I was growing up, it was you know during the '90s when um, the Cowboys were really at their peak family from Texas and we were pretty much Cowboys fans out of the womb. So it was always, you know, really church school and and football, you know, kind of in our household. And that's really um, what developed a a real love of the game from, from a very young age. So you go to Harvard, you end up starting for four years, your cornerback. And what are you looking at in terms of your career? You're looking to be a professional football player. You're looking to get into the front office. You go to Harvard, man, you got a lot of different options in terms of what you're going to do. My aspirations were to play like a lot of, you know, college athletes. You know, I was realistic and knew that I would have an uphill battle and a long road, um, you know, to, to play in the NFL. I really hadn't given a lot of thought to, um, you know, working in an alpha front office. And quite honestly, I don't know that I really had an awareness in terms of, you know, what front offices actually did. And really, you know, my in was... You know, Tom Telesco, he was the personnel director for the for the Colts at the time. And he had taken a trip in the Northeast and one of his stops was Harvard. So he became familiar with me as a, you know, it's kind of like a you know a marginal prospect. And when I was done, it's a, a rookie minicamp trout with with Washington. Um, you know, that doesn't really work out. And after I was done, Tom reached out and said, Hey, just kind of given your background, you think we we think you'd be a really good fit in an NFL front office if that's something that you would have interest in doing. And so it was really through that that I started researching and learning about what that world looked like. And I really thought it was a nice intersection of, you know, all, all the different interests that I had. I was fortunate enough to go on an interview in Indianapolis and, and get a scouting assistant position and, uh, you know, accepted the job and, and, and didn't look back. And it's one of the best choices I've made in my life. So who helped you when you came in as a scout? Was there somebody that took you under your wing? And taught you how to evaluate talent and so forth. How did that happen? Yeah, so I, I I was fortunate that you know team president at the time was Bill Polian, you know who's obviously one of two executives who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, you know Chris Polian was the general manager, and then Tom was was you know was the personnel director. And I would say all three of those men, you know, had a really big impact on my professional career. I'd say from a day to day perspective, you know, I I reported to, to Tom, and he was. Um, you know, he was the, the the teacher, manager, you know, boss who always held you to the highest standard, which was a good thing. So I always remember um, when I was doing my first scouting reports or first advanced reports, I would type up the reports, you know, be, you know, excited about them. You know, Tom would always go through them and he would have this red pen where he would have, you know, he would have corrections and, or things that feedback in terms of what you, what you could do better. And, you know, he was like one of those coaches where, where, at times you get frustrated because you're like, man, I just want to, like, I just want to get this right. But he, he has this, this unrelenting standard, but I'll always remember the first time I got one of those back and there were no red marks, right? It's, it's one of those like, you know, cra- crowning early achievements in your career because you work so hard to, to, to meet the standard. But I'm, I'm very thankful for him because um, he, he, he was a, had a big role in making sure that I had the right foundation. So then there's a shakeup uh, in the organization. And you end up, they end up retaining you. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I remember because it was my first year as a as a pro advanced scout. 
you know, it was the year that, that, you know, Peyton Manning got injured. You know, we go, we go two and 14. There's a shakeup, you know, with, with, you know, with Bill and, you know, Ryan Grigson, Ryan Grigson comes in and, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't know Ryan, you know, Ryan didn't know me. It was early in my career. So it's the first time going through a transition like this. And there's just obviously a lot of uncertainty. I was fortunate in two regards. Number one, you know, that Tom stayed aboard, you know, and he, he had always been a, a very strong advocate you know, for me in my career. But then two, that, you know, Ryan, he really, he was open-minded. He really gave everybody a, a chance to, to really kind of prove their work on merit. And what ended up happening was it actually gave me more opportunity. Like, you know, Ryan was, was pleased with the work that I had done in free agency, but then he gave me more opportunity in the college draft process we were light in the contract management space. So he was like, Hey, look, learn as much as you can, you know, this spring in this area, I actually want to have you provide some support. And at the time I probably didn't realize it, but looking back, that was one of the kind of inflection points in my path because it, it was the first thing that probably broadened out my skill set into the other areas of football operations. So, you know, Ryan, you know, Ryan, you know, looked at me with fresh eyes, um, you know, gave me a chance to grow and then ultimately ended up, you know, promoting me, um, you know, after that, after that spring. I remember where I was involved with the Browns and we brought you in for an interview. It was the most inc- incredible interview I've ever been a part of because you took every person in the roster and were able to talk about them. No notes. You just were able to go through each person's strength and weakness. And it was just incredible in terms of you know, your intellect and how you were able to bring that alive. And then you, uh, we brought you aboard. And then uh, you know, after several years, you go through another shakeup. Mm-hmm. Another general manager comes in. And actually, I went to uh, the Eagles. I didn't go back to the, the Colts. How we brought you to the Eagles. That's correct. Okay. So talk about how that, how that move happened, if you would. In Cleveland, you know, we went through a we went through a tough stretch, right? We went through one, you know, we were one in 31 in the first two years that I was there. You know, we were certainly taking a different strategic approach in terms of, in terms of building the team. And, and we didn't have a ton of success. Organizational changes, you know, new general managers, general managers brought in John Dorsey. Um, you know, my role shifted just given, you know, his, his vision of the, the new front office. But John, you know, much like Ryan, he was, you know, he was good to me. You know, I, I feel like I learned a lot from, you know, each general manager that I work with. And, and that's certainly John included. I really liked Cleveland and we were, we were right at the point with the team where we had, you go through one in 31, you, you, uh, you know, stockpile assets, young players. And we were probably at the point where it felt like we were just about to turn the corner, but the opportunity in Philly came up to really be what was was really like a true assistant general manager's role. It wasn't just personnel. It was all across football operations. And quite honestly, it was under a general manager that I thought, you know, I think he probably has his own path to Canton. Quite honestly, I just had a ton of respect for. So it was actually a pretty tough decision because when you go through the hard years, um, you know, in any place, and it looks like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we had a good young team, a good young core, and it looked like we were going to turn the corner the next year. You, you go through the hard parts. You you, you really do want to kind of share in the in the the good times. Um, but I felt like, from a personal perspective, you know what I would be enabled to do professionally and how I would be able to learn from someone I had so much respect for in an organization and in a front office that had you know really a, a, a ton of 
uh, success, a ton of st- stability, a huge a track record. I just thought it was too, I thought it was too big of an opportunity to pass up. Um, and so I left, it ended up being, you know, probably one of the better decisions I could have, could have made for, for my own career, because it was probably the second area that, you know, really completely broadened my, broadened my skill set. And even though I was only there for a year, you know, I, I learned a lot from, I learned a lot from Howie. And then again, another change. <laughs> now you're brought in as, you know, the youngest general manager in the National Football League and only one of two African-Americans to hold that role. And uh, now it's, it's your blueprint. Yeah. It's your coach. And uh, you're sitting in a situation now with five to six games to go where you get, you got to, you got to, uh, you, you, you got to go. <laughs> you got to go. So, I mean, how do you assess where you are at this point this year in terms? I know there's been disappointments. You've had injuries. Your quarterback has been playing hurt, uh, yet he keeps continuing to go out and, and, and give great effort. So uh, from your perspective, what do you see the course as it, as it plays out here in the, in the remainder of the season? I think the next five regular season games, they're, they're important and they're valuable. And, you know, we talk a lot about needing adversity in our lives or careers. We talk a lot about wanting to build, you know, resilient groups, you know, resilient teams. The forms of resiliency, the forms of adversity that we face, they differ from year to year, right? You know, last year we go 11 and five. A lot of um, the adversity face were, you know, kind of new staff without an off season, Really, basically, a month long of a month long of COVID COVID outbreaks, and this year's challenges are different. We don't have those as as heavily, um, but just with quite honestly how inconsistent we've been, you know, throughout the first 12, 13 weeks of the season, you know, we're in we're in a position where, you know, we really do have to play our best football in we have to play our best football in December in order for us to 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 reach our to reach our goals. But I think that's good because for two reasons. Number one, with you know, adversity or, or challenge, you learn a lot about people, your team, you know, on the field, publicly, privately, you know, dealing with those, dealing with those difficult moments. And then the second piece of that is like adversity is necessary and important for growth. And I think that that's, that's a good thing for our team. It's a good thing for our organization. Um, we have to battle through it. Um, and we know what the expectation is, but, you know, I think Every team probably goes through these types of stretches and, um, you know, the, the really, really good ones are, are able to kind of battle their way out of it. Did the break come at a good time for the organization? No, it, it did. I, I, th- I think it did. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, I think we have the second second latest buy. So it's been a, it's been a long haul. And so it's a good time to, to number one, you know, refresh both physically and physically and mentally. But then it's also a really good time for review where we can make those, you know, late season adjustments, you know, whether it's schematically, personnel usage, you name it, to hopefully put ourselves in the best position um, to play our to play our best and most meaningful football in the month of December. When you look at your schedule, I know you take it one game at a time, but how do, how do you look at it in terms of the, the five remaining games? Yeah, I, I look at it as like, hey, we're we're in the playoffs right now, right? We have, we have five, you know, really good teams on our, on our schedule. Um, five teams that I think are, that we, I should say we think are, are playoff caliber. Um, and every week's going to be a challenge. Um, but I, I think that's probably the case for the entire AFC this year. 
right uh, where it's 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 really going to be uh it's going to be a a a long grind you know kind of tournament here in december um but i think the teams that come out of it will will really to put it mildly will be battle tested um you know going into the postseason but you know our focus really has to be on on um you know really just the upcoming opponent in the current week but it's a it's a tough stretch but it's going to be a tough stretch for everyone you also have a unique front office set up uh, in Paul D. Podesta, you have a, an individual who came out of baseball mm. who's come in really to look at the analytics, the statistics. Uh, talk about how that's been integrated and how you use that in player evaluations and how that carries over in the in-game decisions and so forth. In general, when we talk about you know analytics, it's really just the usage of, of data. And I think really in any you know, in any industry, in any profession, you want the highest quality data and and really the things that are that are going to provide insights into decision making and for you know us that's not just you know in scouting it's not just in game management it's high performance and player development it's medical it's contract management really you're just you're just looking for information that can allow you to make the optimal decisions. It's no different than if you're if you're buying a home or, or other invest investment opportunities. You know, we don't look at it as any di- any different than that. I think probably you know Jed to, to Paul specifically. Paul's really one of the kind of brightest minds that that I've come across really in any in any space. And I think where Paul is unique is you know he spent two decades in you know executive management in in baseball. So. While yes, he does have some you know background in, in in research and strategy. You know, I think people forget that he came up as an advanced scout, you know, in the big leagues, and then you know he was general manager or assist general manager for the Dodgers at thirty, and then assistant GM at a number of different a number of different stops throughout his career. So although you know he certainly does have some expertise in in you know research and strategy, really his level of insight, you know, because of his experience, can be applied across a number of different domains. What did you think of um, John Harbaugh's decision at the end of the Steeler game? I tell you what, I, 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 you know, I get it. I think I admire the aggression. You know, I think quite honestly, like, you know, they, they had a good play call. Unfortunately, they didn't, you know, they didn't quite, you know, they got, got, you know, Mark Andrews open. Unfortunately, they didn't quite execute it. It's obviously a decision that's been talked about a lot, right. In terms of, well, Hey, look, did he, did he take the suboptimal approach because of, you know, what win probability suggests in that, in that moment, you know, because they were, they were the favorites. And again, and, you know, in theory, they would have had the advantage between being the favorites and having the best kicker in NFL history um, to win the game in overtime. You know, but at the same time, I love this post-game response because they're, they're one of the most analytically inclined teams in our sports. Right. But John was also saying, Hey, look, you know, part of it is, he didn't, maybe he didn't say this for but part of it is like, Hey, model needed to be tweaked because of our because of our injury situation on defense I thought that was the best opportunity opportunity to win the game so I actually thought you know that moment like they, like Baltimore always does really good process I know that you know the uh, the outcome wasn't what you know wasn't what they had hoped but uh, you know it, I thought it was sound decision making um, you know they had a good play call and you know unfortunately it didn't it, they didn't quite capitalize uh, again thanks uh, appreciate you spending time and sharing your story Appreciate you, Jed.